If you're looking for ways to prioritize your health and fitness, run more efficiently, understand food, and somehow fit it all into a fun and family-centered life, you're in the right place. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 43 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we are going to be talking about body image, specifically body image in runners. And this also is just one of those topics that is very applicable to our everyday life, especially as parents. This is a topic that is very close to my heart and it's something that I have personally struggled with for most of my life and we're going to tackle this today and hopefully we do it some justice here. Yeah, I mean we have a few different perspectives and angles to come at it from, but it's a it's a discussion about runners and and their bodies and what what runners bodies look like. Right. So there are a lot of stereotypes out there just in the media in general about what a perfect body should look like and I think that nowadays a lot of this has been coming to light about how much all those pictures and all those celebrities are airbrushed and the magazine images. And people nowadays want more realness. They want more authenticity. And so I think that's also where so a lot of the social media trends ha- are going that direction oh, Social media also. is very much trending towards what's actually real. Right. Like people don't want it to just be completely airbrushed, just give me nothing but the highs out of it. Like people want to see highs and lows so mm-hmm. that whoever they're, they're interacting with seems like an actual real person, not right. just some like theoretical image. Right. And in the world of running, there are a lot of stereotypes about what runners should look like, right? I mean, I've heard that so many times people talking about the runner's body, right? And that runners are, are thin and they're muscular and people are talk about, oh, I wish I had a, a runner's body. Yeah. I mean, you get that a bunch. I, I've done it. My, I know I am guilty of this myself of judging runners by how they look what? on the starting line of races. Oh, on the starting line of races. You mean your competition? Yes. Oh, okay. I was about to smack you. Yeah, I know. N- no. Not actually. Smack no, let you, me finish course. my sentence before you, <laughs> before you start swinging. Um, but no, at, at the starting line of races, I will look around and be like, okay, I think I can take that one. Maybe that one, that one's going to be a hard one. And I, I've looked at people's calves and just tried to figure out what's going on around me. So like there, there's a stereotype and it, it comes because most people, when they think runner, don't just think the general population of runner. They think who's standing with their toe on the starting line, who crossed the finish line first. That gets this, this stereotype of runner, you know, in the last running boom in like seventies running was more elite. They tried to make it this sort of mass appeal and it had this big boost, but it wasn't it wasn't this all inclusive that we've got going now there was there was a more uh, a broader elite spectrum to it and everyone who was out there and was like your casual runner was still what people would consider now pretty elite mm-hmm. you know i mean i remember my boss was talking about when his his wife ran her first marathon and she wouldn't even tell any of their friends what she ran mm-hmm. because she was like like 
he trained some of the top women in the country. Right. And he he was like a, you know, sub two and a half hour marathoner. He was like in the 220 range and all their friends were, you know, two something and the women they were training were under three and she ran like a 345. She didn't want to tell anybody because mm-hmm. it was so ridiculously slow. Right. Like that's that was the world. And so when everyone's kind of... This is like 30 years ago we're talking. 40, 40 probably. Years ago. Okay. When when most people around you, when the running community has a much more mm, unified look, essentially, that that got this running image. Right. Because back then, running wasn't as accessible as it is now. I mean, running was still running, but people didn't do it. I mean, there was the huge thing when the first woman ran the Boston Marathon because women were not allowed to run in marathons at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good luck finishing that one. The guy tried to tackle her partway through the yeah, race. Yeah, but she, she took off and yeah, she, she finished did. it and she is an icon now in the running world. Very much so. But that was, I mean, what year was that? That was in the seventies. The yes. So before that women weren't even allowed in races. And now I think if you look at the roster of most major marathons, it's probably the majority are women. I mean, wouldn't you say? At at best, it's a fifty fifty split, and yeah. they do tend to tend to trend towards the the women. Toward side. women, I think that it's more acceptable, I guess. For I mean, it's definitely more acceptable for women to run now versus back in the day. Very much so, and to I just think, generally be more athletic, right? And there is a big push in social media of mother runners and. Um, the women's running community. And I think that even surpasses the men's running community in social media. I mean, I don't really... Oh, it's got to. I, I mean, don't follow it because I'm not a man, <laughs> but I would guess that because there's a huge women's running community in social media. Well, just look at... I mean, yes, on the, the like the casual runner who's everybody's out there, you've got your running group that you go with. But even if you look on the elite level, like US women elite marathoners, they're a group. They're a group that supports and and cheers for each other. I mean, you mentioned Do you the not Boston. Get that on the guy's side, it's very different on the guy's side. Yeah. It's it's a much more competitive, cutthroat thing on the guy's side. Girl side, look back at the Boston Marathon. Like Desi Lindgren slowed down because she was like, "Well, she waited for Shalane. I, I'm going to need to help Shalane because Shalane right. might be able to win this thing, and right. I'm I'm spent. Yeah. So if I can help her get back up to the lead pack, maybe somebody out of my my friends will be able to win it." Yeah. They're not even sponsored by the same people. Right. Like that, that was like, yes, technically you got like the same country going on there, but yeah. it's, it's a very supportive crew mm-hmm. and there's, there is some team camaraderie on the guy's side and you can see it in the different like elite clubs around the country, mm-hmm. but it's, it's different than what you're getting out of the women's side. Right. So running really did used to be more of an elite type of sport where you had to run faster in order to compete in a lot of the races out there. And if you look at the the numbers in racing, I mean, the amount of runners now that enter a marathon in the thousands and thousands and thousands, especially the major ones, those numbers just were not present back then. So running. No, has I mean you're become, looking at major marathons like, oh, we cap it when it gets to twenty five thousand. Right. What? Yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, insane. It's insane. And so running has become something that anyone can do now. And so it's very you know, very obvious now that runners can come in all different shapes and sizes. And that's okay. That's wonderful and it's it should be celebrated now. But I think that there's still some 
I don't want to say stigma, but there's there there is still um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's kind of it, it's still one of those things that the the runner's body hasn't gone away yet. People still associate running with a certain type of body image. I think I think it's it's lessening. But I think it's still there. Yeah, I mean, there's still this sort of like, oh well, once once I start running more, then I'll, my body will look like that. I want to I want to run so that I can get to a point where I have a runner's body. Yeah, and it's like, well, you, you don't need to run forever to get to a runner's body. Mm-hmm. You don't need to have a runner's body to be a runner. Just go run. Right, but I think that people are genetically predisposed in certain ways. I mean, look at you, you there, know, there are definitely like, you, like major body forms. Like you would have some, something that someone would call a runner's body. Like no one is surprised to find out that you're a, a runner, an so endurance much. runner. Like no. you're tall, you're skinny, you're pretty much pure muscle with very little body fat. Like you are kind of the definition of what a runner's body in a lot of people's minds would be. Yes. Most people, if you just, if you saw me in a bathing suit, you'd be like, oh, so you run? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) Thank you. Right, right. But other people like me who, you know, I have struggled with my body image and with my weight my entire life. And it's always been a very large source of of self-consciousness for me. And I think that that is one of the things that prevented me from self-identifying as a runner. When I told my story back in episode five, I explained that for a long time I would run, but I would never call myself a runner. I didn't self-identify that way. I just said that running was just something that I did. It used to drive me nuts. Yeah. Well, in, there was many reasons for it, but one of them was because I thought I was too slow. One of them was because I didn't think that I looked like a runner. I looked athletic in most of my life, um, but I wouldn't say that I looked like a runner. What, uh, in my mind, a typical runner looks like or should look like or does look like. It's funny because you put yourself down on the whole, like, I, I, I'm i not a runner kind of thing or I wasn't a runner or whatever. And I go to, yeah, but you're a heck of a lot more athletic than I am. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't consider yourself an athlete? Like, I, I used to play ball sports and my best skill was when the coach was like, all right, now we're going to put the balls down. We have to run all the way to that fence and back yeah. three times. Like, that was my skill. Right, because... You were genetically predisposed to being a runner, I think. I mean, I think that there are definitely genetics that do play a factor in the level of skill that people have in any given sport, but all of those things can still be trained. And someone that might be genetically predisposed to be a good runner, if they don't do the training, they're not going to be a good runner. And then someone else that might not look like a good runner, if they train hard enough, can become a very good runner. Yeah, very much so. Right? So... I think that I'm guessing that my story is probably something that a lot, a lot of other people can relate to. Yeah. I mean, it's the line of, I run, but I'm not a runner. Right. I've, I've heard this from multiple people. Right. And it's funny because once I became a mom, especially a mom of girls, I realized how important my own body image of myself was in order to give my girls a good body image of themselves. And that's definitely something that I have been extremely conscious of in their lives. Always 
making sure that they feel good about who they are and how their body looks, regardless of what that is. Yes. Because I never want them to feel like they're not good enough. Their, their body should look some way that it doesn't, whatever that might be. If, if too skinny, too fat, too this, too that, like you are perfect just the way you are. And what I realized through a lot of reading and listening to podcasts and, and personal development is that I needed to believe that about myself first before I could instill that belief in them. They needed to see that mommy loved herself and that when I looked in the mirror, I wasn't pinching certain areas that I didn't like about myself or I wasn't making negative faces about myself. And that was something that was not the easiest thing for me to do to to come up with that new body image of myself and, and not that i'm perfect at it now but it's no but you're substantially way better, better way better than it used to be you know um i used to i know i i would look at you and say like why is this guy with me you know like i'm not skinny well, enough for him like cause look I mean, at the, you know look you, you're a runner like you're you know yeah, there and you said it you said it again right there this right. was part of the issue of you trying to turn yourself into i'm a runner right. is you know we were together and so you're like well i don't have that body and i'm definitely not that fast so i'm clearly not a runner right and being a runner is not about hitting a certain weight having certain dimensions or even running a certain speed if you want to be a runner you need to head out the door and start running and congratulations Congratulations, you've entered the category of runner. Right. You know, and like people do the same thing on like, oh, well, I do like a run-walk combo, so I'm not really a runner. Yes, you are. Oh, well, I've only completed like three half marathons, but I ran-walked them. I'm not really a runner. Really? Three half marathons and you're not really a runner? You like, are. You're a runner. You're a runner. Yes. <laughs> or the people like, oh, well, I don't do races, but I, you know, I run like five miles three times a week. Runner. Oh, I go out for a two-mile run every couple of weeks. Runner. Yeah. They're all. Right. They're all runners. And people run for different reasons. Some people start running in order to get in better shape and to achieve that quote-unquote runner's body out there. Some people do it to prove that they can overcome something, some big challenge, like after a diagnosis, right? Some some people have they they survive cancer or they survive some other health crisis and they want to prove to themselves that their body is strong so they start running and they want to run a certain length of a race yeah, to giant, prove that giant life catastrophe comes in and suddenly they see the the mortality thing whether it's it's to them or to somebody else and it's like oh, okay well if i was able to overcome that i can certainly go run this thing you see that all the time yeah but basically what it comes down to is we're all runners if you run, you are a runner. That's one of the things that we've said before multiple times. And it's the truth. And I think that we all need to be kinder to ourselves, which I think a lot of us have a problem with. We're very critical, overly critical of ourselves. Um, there's a lot of people that don't take pride in their body because they are 5 pounds, 10 pounds, 20 pounds over what they have deemed their ideal body weight. Yeah, which is a number that they just randomly pulled out of somewhere. Usually usually that ends with a five or a zero, just for convenience. But there's a lot of shame around their weight or their body image or a picture of them in a bathing suit. And I think that 
a lot of these new social media trends, like different hashtags out there right now that are celebrating a woman's body for its strength rather than its size are so wonderful. And they're spreading such light into the world of all of this crazy body image issues that, that people have. And there's some great hashtags out there that, you know, there's the, I have a runner's body, there's the sports bra squad. And those hashtags are built for women to celebrate their bodies and celebrate what they're able to do, not just how they look. Yeah. I didn't realize that I almost hit the one the other day. I came back from my run and I had timed it just right so that the morning run finished and the sun wasn't up, but I was st- it was bright enough that I didn't need my reflective vest. So I finished without a shirt and you're like, oh, you should have taken a picture because it was, it was like run in your sports bra day and I was like, or run, <laughs> run without a shirt day or I'm right. like, whatever it was. I'm like, I don't know, whatever it was, I was running without a shirt because it was, it was really, really a million degrees. Yeah, it was a million degrees and I, it was super sweaty. But uh, apparently I, I nailed it on that day. Yeah, way to go. So I think that that is, a, is one of the most important takeaways from this episode is body size is what it is. And can you work on it? Of course you can. Like there, We're not saying you shouldn't try to lose weight if that was one of the goals. But we should also are trying to say that you are beautiful no matter what shape you are, no matter what size you are, you are a runner, no matter what shape or size you are, no matter what that number says on the scale, your body is amazing and your body is strong and it deserves to be celebrated. So be kinder to yourself and appreciate, especially if you're a woman, especially if you're a mom. There are so many moms and friends that I have that, especially after baby, right? Ladies, you know, like the body is not the same (laughs) after you have a baby. I'll never forget this one day that my daughter walked in and I was wearing a sports bra and shorts and she walked in and came over to me and and looked at me and said, mommy, you have a big tummy. And I kind of looked at her and I'm like, what are you talking about, babe? And she said, you have a big tummy. And I said, yeah, isn't mommy's tummy amazing? And it held both you and your sister in it. And I was thinking to myself at that moment, oh my goodness, because I need to make sure that I handle this situation appropriately because I want my daughter to have a good body image and I can't let what she just said destroy me because earlier, years ago, that that kind of comment would probably have just deflated me completely for someone to make any sort of comment about my stomach, let alone call it big. And here I was faced with my... I think she was maybe six at the time, five or six years old, telling me that I had a, a big a big tummy. And I basically just kind of laughed it off and told her, yeah, baby, mommy has an amazing tummy because it was able, it was the house for you and your sister when you were babies. And I grew two babies in this tummy. Isn't that amazing? And she said, yes, you know, I mean, she, I just, I tried to, to reframe it for her. Excuse the interruption, but I just had to pop in and let you know about an upcoming workshop that we're hosting inside the Real Life Runners Academy. 
If you're someone that's ever struggled with thoughts or beliefs that are getting in your way, or you think you're self-sabotaging yourself and you can't understand why you're doing things that you don't want to do or not doing things that you know you should be doing or want to be doing, this message is for you. We're hosting a special academy workshop May 14th, and we're bringing in an expert in neuro-linguistic programming, Ms. Megan Blacksmith. And she's going to be teaching us how the thoughts that we have can either be helping us in our life or holding us back. And we want to invite you, our amazing podcast listeners, to join us. So you don't have to be an, a member of the Academy to join us this month. You can join for a small one-time fee by going over to realliferunners.com forward slash workshop. If you are a current Academy member, this and all of our monthly workshops and all experts, that's all already included in your current membership. So if you are a current member, do not go to the website and repurchase because it's already included with your membership. But if you want to join just for the workshop, check it out over at realliferunners.com slash workshop today. Now, back to the show. I mean, it it shows the amazingness of the human body. Like she saw it as big tummy, but like, like look at this is what it, what it is. But it know? wasn't, you know, coming from a, a little kid like that, it's not an insult. Like she wasn't trying no, to No, she be was mean. not at all trying to she be She was mean. just making an observation. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and, and yes, I said, yep, you're right. Mommy's tummy is a lot bigger than daddy's. <laughs> <laughs> daddy didn't have two kids inside daddy of it. Daddy did not have two kids inside of it. So I think that that is one thing that I really try to keep in mind as a mom is having that positive body image of myself so that I can hopefully pass that on to my kids. And I think that's something that we all really need to be very, very aware of. I mean, passing on the positive body image is huge for whoever you're dealing with. You know, as the high school coach, I've seen that myself of making sure that the girls on the team have appropriate body image and that I'm not ever saying anything that they could take in the wrong direction. Right. I mean, we've, I've, I've had some coaches that I, I've seen, in not thankfully not at our school, yeah. but that I've I've seen out on on courses or I've seen in, in other different places, and I've heard them actually make comments to the to the kids on their team mm-hmm. like, "Oh, well, you'd probably be faster if you lost a few." Yeah. What are you kidding? Yeah. Like no. you don't say that to like a sixteen year old girl. It's That's just okay. a terrible thing. It's not okay. So I'm very conscientious of what's going on. That's yeah. why I love how connected to the team you are because it really helps bring that that positive. Image image of the strength is what makes you so awesome. It like you don't have to be this rail thin like emaciated looking person to right. be an amazing person, you know, and it's a tough struggle because you're trying to get the balance because there's a lot of the girls at the front, you know, especially in the league we compete in, we've got a bunch of like 8th and ninth grade girls that come in yeah. that are like before they've really hit puberty and started growing hips and you know, and they're crushing everybody. They're crushing yeah. the competition. And then you look at the seniors out the, there. They're like 80 pounds. That's, you know. They, they weigh nothing. They're, they're like they're sticks foot, and bones. Four and a half feet tall. <laughs> and, and, and they're out there just wrecking everybody. You got the seniors that have developed hips and they're like, I don't know. I can't keep up with them. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? I'm like, well, I don't know. Like it's, it's a tough balance. Right. Of 
trying to figure out how fast you can be and also make sure that you are strong and healthy and, you know, the look at the big picture of you need to be the healthiest, strongest person that you can be. Right, right. And it's, I mean, you have had experiences in college athletics, and I think that this is definitely applicable to the kids that we coach in high school, as well as at the college level, and then even into the pros. I've heard that, you know, coaches that have told their players, female players in, in particular, that they're not working hard enough if they still have their period. And that is just... That's terrible. So I mean, it's so sad. It's such, it brings on such disordered eating patterns and such disordered visions of what health should be. Because if you are overtraining uh, as a woman, you can lose your period. You know, that it throws, so. it throws your hormones off balance. If your body fat gets too low, all of that can totally throw your body out of whack. And for coaches to promote that is just so dysfunctional. And if that, That can't be the culture. Like It is, unfortunately, at some places, but that is definitely not what we're promoting. We are promoting health as an individual and strength, and that is what we really try to promote with our cross-country girls. I mean, what we're promoting is health. And yeah, yeah, if if running is a component of that, great. And, you know, hopefully we, we build in these kids a lifelong love of running, but more than that, it's it's a lifelong love of making sure that you are a healthy person. Loving themselves. And taking yourself to a place where you are so overdoing it in one aspect of your life, whatever that aspect is. If yeah. you're going so hard that you are losing health in another aspect. I mean, pushing so hard that you that you lose your period is that's not a healthy balance no. inside of life. No, and, you know, and there are certain diets that can do that too. I know that when I tried some of the diff- playing around with my eating last year, I did skip a couple of cycles, and I thought to myself, "Huh, that that can't be right," you know. And then I said, it "Oh, doesn't well, seem healthy. Maybe my hormones are just resetting themselves." And I was trying to justify it, and then I just kept thinking, "Like that, that can't be a good idea in the long run for my body." It just can't. Right. In the long run, throwing your body off of the rhythm that it prefers to be in right. just doesn't seem like a good plan. Yeah, exactly. So where do we want to take this now? All right. So I think one of the uh, the points that you would hit was people get into running for a lot of reasons. Uh, people get in coming off of whatever diagnosis, you know, life eye-opening thing that, that hit them. They run to get in shape, whatever shape that is that they would like to take. They, yeah. they run to get into a certain shape. They run to get in faster. Running is all about proving something. A lot of people have a goal that they're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. But when... The the goal is I want to be a healthy person. I want to be the healthiest version of myself I can be. Yeah. It's the path to get to whatever that goal is that suddenly you look back and you realize, wow, look at how healthy of a person I've become. You've become. And it, and it's also important to keep that perspective in mind that it is a journey. It's not a destination. It's not when you reach this magic number on the scale, suddenly you're going to be the person you want to be because that kind of happened to me last year. Last year, I hit the lowest that I've ever been in my adult life. And I was super happy about that because I never realized that I could be that weight. And 
But once you get to be that weight, then what? You know, then then if I gained a couple pounds, then I was beating myself up about it. And, th- and what's the point of that? Right. Like you have two options at that point. You try and go lower or you try and go through this process of maintaining. If you ever don't maintain, then what is something – did something go wrong? Like should you keep trying to push to lower because that doesn't seem healthy? Like, exactly. Where are you supposed to go? If you take the, the step back from looking at the numbers – and we've done this from like a racing perspective also. Yeah. Run, run to be the best racer you can. Run to be the best runner you can. Try and be the healthiest weight that you can. Right. Without worrying about a number, just be be a healthy person. Yeah, and I mean, I like like we said earlier, we're definitely not saying don't lose weight. You know, if if you are significantly overweight, losing weight can improve your health, and that is something that's important. The, all of the disease markers, diabetes, and the, the, the problems that obesity can cause health-wise are real things. And so if you're doing it for a health reason, then by all means, you know, you should have goals for that. But we're also saying, don't beat yourself up. Don't think that you're a bad person just because of the number on the scale. Work hard to achieve the goals that you want to achieve, but realize that it's more than just a number. And a couple pounds here and there aren't a big deal because your body is beautiful and it should be celebrated. And But you should still strive to be the healthiest version of yourself. Like if you don't feel comfortable in your own skin, then that's that's when it becomes time to maybe change things up a little bit and, and figure out how you can feel more comfortable in your skin. Yeah, there's a big difference between trying to make sure that you you feel the best that you can be yeah. and making sure that you look as good as that other person. Yeah, as soon as you different. start the comparison to outside of yourself, it starts getting a little right. little bit of a slippery slope. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Because I'm, I'm trying to like figure out how to say this and I, and I feel like I'm stumbling a little bit here because I'm, I want to be politically correct. You know, I don't want to say be, be any sort, I'm not trying to be negative in any sort of way, but I do think that once someone gets to be, you know, morbidly obese, there's health consequences to that. I mean, there's a reason why heart disease is one of the biggest problems in America. There's health consequences to that. And and we're not saying that those people shouldn't lose weight because if that's going to help improve your health, improve your longevity, improve everything about you, then you should do what's, what's most healthy for you. But at the same time, if you're five pounds more than you want to be and like how important are those five pounds like is it is it's more mental than physical in a lot of people in a lot of situations it's very mental in a lot of things you know but i'm there like i get that doctor and health insurance companies they all have like a, a chart somewhere that's like well if you're this height and you're over this weight then technically and at some point on the chart there's a one pound difference between you being healthy and you being unhealthy yeah and sure there's some like you know numbers person somewhere that figured out your health insurance rates based off of that but in in your own head, it cannot come down to the importance of one pound. It's just it does not mean that much. Yeah. You need to be comfortable with who you are, feel good about, you know, the the exercise that you're doing, the foods that you're putting into your body, feel good about being in control of your own health. Yeah. And I think that you nailed it really when you said it's the comparison really that. Well, yeah. If you start comparing yourself to people that you shouldn't shouldn't be comparing yourself to, you should compare yourself to what you want to be because that is a good place for you to be. Right. Not because what you want to be looks like somebody else. Right. Exactly. 
So I think that's probably a good place to wrap up. I think that pretty much covers it. I think that there's definitely more that we need to say on this topic. And I think that will be in a future episode. I th- we want to deal with some of the, the eating disorders surrounding running and the, and that whole... That's a whole lot is. more that it we is. could get into. So let's not get into that right no, now. No, not right now. But that will be coming in, in an upcoming episode. But for today, I think it's time for us to sign off. And we wanted to say that you are amazing. You are beautiful and strong and powerful. And you can be anything you want to be. Just love yourself and do everything for yourself rooted out of that love because we all just need to be the best versions of us so that we can be the best for those around us. Speaking of support, if uh, you'd like to join our private Facebook group, check us out on realliferunners.com and click on the Facebook link and it will take you to our private Facebook group full of other supportive people. And while you're on our webpage, you have to check out our show notes because Obviously, we're going to have all the summaries of this episode and any helpful links from the episode that you might need. But in the show notes for this week, there will also be an exclusive link to our new membership program that we just launched yesterday, July 4th. Our new membership program is going to be your running plan for the month. So basically, we are going to come out with a new running plan every single month for you that is going to have your running days, your strength days. We're going to do HIIT workouts in there, drills, mobility work, everything that you need to become a strong and well-rounded runner. And this plan is customizable for people of all levels. So all of the workouts are effort-based and time-based. So there's no specific paces or mileage that you need to hit. And if you're a beginner just and you walk more than you run, this plan can also work for you. It can help to progress you into the runner that you want to be. So if you want to check out that plan, check it out in the show notes, realliferunners.com. Click on podcast and you'll go to the show notes from this episode, which is episode number 43. And there will be a link in there to our membership program. And there you will be able to find out some more information. Basically, we have the the running day structured into a 30-minute program and a 45-minute program. And there's four running days and two strength days and drills and mobility work, like like I already said. And I think that it's something that's going to really help a lot of people. If you don't want to worry about training for a race and you're just a runner that loves to run and get in better shape and stay in shape and you just want a plan to follow, this is the perfect thing for you. So check it out over on our website at realliferunners.com in the show notes for episode number 43. Thank you guys for joining us today and we will catch you next week. If you're ready to have more fun and achieve the goals that matter to you without sacrificing the rest of your life in the process, this message is for you. Maybe you're feeling confused or frustrated because you're not making the progress you want, even though you're running three times per week or more. Maybe you're feeling tired or sore all the time because you're pushing harder every day trying to get better. Maybe you want to run longer, but every time you run a couple of miles, that nagging knee pain starts to act up again. Maybe you've been told that you should probably stop running so much because you're getting older, but you refuse to accept that and want to find a way to continue to improve in your 40s, 50s, and beyond. Maybe you just feel like you're winging it every day and want to start working towards a goal. 
You want to feel better and be able to make progress in your running as you get older. And if you're like us and the other runners we work with, you want your running to help you become stronger and more resilient in all other areas of your life too. Plus, you need something that fits in your real life that is simple, easy to understand, and effective. Don't worry, we've got you. If you're ready to transform into a strong, confident, and successful real-life runner, the Real Life Runners Academy has everything you need. It includes training plans, coaching, and programs that will teach you how to run faster, run longer, feel better, and accomplish your goals. Check it out today over at realliferunners.com forward slash academy. Enrollment will be opening soon, so be sure to join the wait list so that you can be notified when doors are open. It's time to run your life.